0: child and we'll sing God's praise. Everybody will be happy over there. Oh, we will hear nobody praying. There's no mourning in that land. Yeah! Hallelujah! Glory! <laughs> We're going to be happy when we get over there. We'll be happy over there. You know that Everybody will be happy. Will be happy over there, and we will shout and we'll sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there, and we will hear nobody praying in the morning in that land, for no burdens there will be for us to bear. And all the people will be singing glory, glory to the Lamb. Everybody will be happy over there. You know that everybody will be happy. will be happy over there. And we will shout and we'll sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. Cause we will meet the one who saved us and who kept us by his grace And who brought us to that land so bright and fair Then we will praise his name forever as we look upon his face Everybody will be happy over there You know that everybody will be happy Will be happy over there and we will shout and we'll sing God's praise everybody will be happy over there cause there we'll meet the one who saved us and who kept us by his grace and who brought us to that land so bright and fair then we will praise his name forever as we look upon his face because everybody will be happy over there You know that everybody's gonna be happy. We'll be happy over there and then we will shout and we'll sing god's praises everybody will be happy over there everybody clap your hands everybody will be happy we'll be happy over there because we will shout and we'll sing god's praise
1: Bruce! you bath
0: If you do it sometime, you find out what a powerhouse you could be. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God is great, and he's greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. I've learned a long, long time ago. I've got power in praise. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Elder. And uh, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I just was sitting here a while ago trying to formulate some words that would try to express my feelings. And uh, I really haven't been able to do it, except that uh, just to say it's been great. Amen. I really love the Lord tonight. I thank God that he reached down and picked me up one day. Praise the Lord. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I'm going to stay saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. For many years ago, when Jesus reached down and picked a red-headed teenager up, he put a determination in my heart to live for him. Amen. I still have it there tonight. I look at some people that uh, got all kind of life and in the joints, and, and uh, they can just kick it out and I've watched this young man here every night he get out there and he just gets going. I thought, my God, I'm going to get away somewhere and practice that. (laughs) Hallelujah. i tell you what, when people get together and begin to worship God, it's beautiful to see the reaction. See how people react to the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, I'm... I'm a believer in worship. Amen, I'm a believer in praise. I believe everybody has to praise the Lord. Amen, I really do. You don't have to be around me long to find out that I believe you gotta praise God. You might not have to praise him the way I do, but you gotta praise him some way amen you got to express your appreciation and your thanks to god in some manner and as you begin to praise him and as you begin to worship him and as you begin to glorify him as you begin to extol his beautiful name then he just begins to pour himself into you you praise the lord you better take the time up to praise His name. Praise Him for the problems He's brought you through. Praise Him for the blessings He's given to you. You better take the time out to praise the Lord. You better take the time out to praise the Lord. You better take the time uh, to praise His name. Praise Him for the problems He's brought you through. Praise Him for the blessings He's given to you. You better take the time to uh, praise the Lord. Can we go down just a bit? Oh, to praise the lord you better take the time to praise his name praise him for the problem he's brought you through praise him for the blessings he's given to you you better take the time out to praise the lord i'm gonna take the time out to praise the lord i'm gonna take the time out to praise his name I'm going to praise him for the problems he's brought me through. I praise him for the blessings he's given to me. I'm going to take the time out to praise the Lord. Oh, I'm going to take the time out to praise the Lord. I'm going to take the time out to praise His name. I'm gonna praise Him for the problem He brought me through. i praise Him for the blessings He's given to me. I'm gonna take the time out to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Lord. And surely tonight we need to take time out to praise the Lord. Amen. Sometimes it may be a little difficult. Sometimes you may find it hard to praise Him. But I have learned many years ago that if I will praise Him in spite of it. Amen. Sometimes it's not hard it's not easy to praise God for things that come along. And I don't know that we need to praise him for everything that happens to us but in the middle of all of that we need to have a praise for our God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Luke uh, Mark chapter 12. I'm sorry. Mark chapter 12. And I'm going to read tonight A portion of the Word of God that uh, I don't know that you will pick up in the beginning where I want to go now I hope you do as you know in the last two nights I'm not a difficult man to understand I don't have a lot of degrees behind my name I had a man in our church one time years ago that called me the LLDC and uh, he did that for a few times I said what in the world is an LLDC he said the long-legged devil chaser and so that's my title tonight I'm an LLDC amen I don't know Greek I don't know Hebrew I have a hard time with English But uh, I do know that when I read that book, that to me it says what it means, and it means what it says. Amen. And uh, I want to read to you tonight from Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse number 13. (laughs) And they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words and when they were come they say unto him master we know that thou art true even that bunch of hypocrites knew that Jesus was true and cares for no man and they didn't know what they was talking about in that next statement all they was judging on is his reaction to them For thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny, that I may see it. And they brought it. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marvel at him. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we bow in your presence tonight. I'm so grateful That you have met us in this service I'm so grateful tonight God that your presence have been here and I'm asking that you will anoint my mind anoint my lips touch my thoughts tonight God that they will be your thoughts that you have given these to me and I am in turn going to give them to your people bless the remainder of this service with your presence help us I pray in Jesus name Amen amen and you may be seated i wonder before i start tonight if i could do something a little bit different i don't know if you've had it or not but i wonder how many of you can reach into your pocket and pick out a penny i asked for a dollar last night and the lord provided I'm only gonna ask for a penny tonight. I had some, but I I had to get rid of them. I'm gonna look in here. Is it all right if I put a quarter in, take two pennies out? All right. You got a penny tonight? How many of you got a penny? All right, just hold it for a moment, will you please? Just, uh, Pennies, not very much, is it? Amen. You see them on the sidewalk quite often. You see them on the ground. I don't like pennies. Be honest with you, I don't like them. Every time I get them in my pocket, I I just want to get rid of them. And uh, they don't buy much, do they? Amen. Penny candy now is five cents. Penny's not worth much. One little old piece of copper. Not worth very much. But I want to try to show you something tonight. Of how important it is to let some little things of life and little things of God and how God uses little things amen now you know if we uh... if we were to do something great maybe a lot of us couldn't do it if we were asked to do something great in this life possibly most of us couldn't do too many great things there's not a lot of great people in the world Oh, there's some that thinks they're great but When it's all said and done, if you could buy them for what they think they're worth and sell them for what they're worth, uh, you wouldn't make much. Amen. And uh, yet the Lord has shown to me in the Bible that uh, he likes to use little things that man don't think is worth very much to accomplish some great things. How many of you tonight, if I had the ability to uh, if I had the ability tonight to say that I would uh, hire if I could hire you for uh, well, let me see, if I could hire you for 5,000 dollars to work for me for 30 days, or if I was willing to pay you a penny a day, double every day? for 30 days which would you take oh but a penny's not worth very much it's not a lot of value to a penny now just bear with me i i'll get going here in a little while it's not worth very much but some of you say that you'd work for a penny a day double the day for 30 days Instead of taking $5,000. Amen. And if you would work for a penny a day, double the day for 30 days. How many knows what the last day's wages would be? Well, if you took that route to go the last day's wages. One day you would make $5,530,117.12 that last day. You see, small things, when they multiply, it don't take long for them to become big. Beautiful group of people here tonight. You've been so great coming out to church the last two nights and listening to this maniac preach. But can you wonder, can you imagine tonight what it would be like? if we would just multiply ourselves by one just just each one of us multiply ourselves i guess maybe i should have said by two but each one of us just multiply ourselves you know we get so overcome sometimes with the bigness of things that we stop to realize that every big thing is made up of a whole lot of little things And the little things have a way of multiplying, and when they multiply, it don't take long to have a great big whole basket full because you haven't added. I mean, it takes you a long time to add, just one and one, and and just keep on adding that way. But when you multiply, And you start multiplying by two. You start multiplying by three. Then you go by four. And you go by five. It it don't take long then to really, really increase something. Yet uh, when we look at things the way that God looks at them. He takes his little, he took little things in the Bible. And he did a lot with them. I was reading today in the Word of God concerning some things and I want to bring them to your attention tonight. And just just hold on to your penny. Don't put it away because I'm going to do something with it here in a little while. But uh, I was reading of where the Lord did some tremendous things with little things. And yet the Lord warns us about little things now there are so many people that uh, in this world tonight that are just floundering they got no direction they got no purpose in life they don't know where they're going they don't know what they're going to do when they get there they're just going in circles. Like a dog chasing his tail. The world tonight has very little direction to it. Seeing the night is rampaging through America. And I don't know whether God is going to do a lot about it or not. I do know that God is going to deliver any individual that wants to be delivered. I know that God is going to redeem any sinner that wants to be redeemed. In fact, God's going to redeem a lot of sinners that they don't even know it now whether they want to be saved or not. There are people tonight in this city that you're living in. That before Jesus comes, if the church is doing its job, they're going to be saved. But yet, tonight, they don't even know that they're lost. And yet, God can use small things... To bring about his purpose. You don't have to be a big preacher. You don't have to be a big person in the church. If I can say it that way. You don't have to be the biggest contributor to the church. You don't have to have the most talent in a church. All you need to do is to be a vessel yielded to God. So that God can use you in some way now it would be a wonderful thing if we could believe the doctrine of the eradication of the old man I have looked at that at times and I thought Lord I would really like to i like to know that that could be biblical for I'll be very honest with you tonight there's times that my old flesh is still alive There's times that my flesh, uh, it has its way. Now, maybe none of you hear that way. But there's times that my flesh dominates. There's times that my flesh uh, governs what I do. It governs where I go. It governs what I say. And my flesh sometimes, uh, when it's rubbed the wrong way, it reacts to that rubbing. There's yours. Somebody said you're rubbing the cat the wrong way and they said, well, the cat's got to turn around. And I've been rubbed the wrong way and I've had to turn around and there's some you got to turn the rubber around. And so tonight there's times that your flesh will, will try to get the upper hand and it may succeed for a few hours. It may succeed for a day or two, but I want you to know that you cannot, you will not, you cannot, you will not stay in touch with God if you let your flesh dominate you forever. In the book of Song of Solomon, chapter two, In the middle part of that verse, it says the little foxes that spoil the vines. The little foxes that spoil the vines. And then I read the next phrase, the next statement after that comma. And it said, for our vines have tender grapes on them. And on them I left. I added our vines have got tender grapes on them. Hey, you're a vine tonight. You're part of the vine tonight. You're part of the body of Christ tonight. Jesus Christ uh, is the true vine. Uh, and you are a uh, part of the vine tonight. Uh, and you're a tender grape uh, in the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. And when we allow the little foxes to come along. Now, what do you mean, little foxes? Those little sins. Those little things that people haven't got sense enough to realize what they are, and they haven't got honesty enough to acknowledge what they are. They get in there. They, they, they just have a way. I don't know whether it was here or where it was, I was preaching recently, and I referred to the third chapter of Genesis that the Bible says that Satan was was more subtle than any of the beast of the field, and friend, he is just exactly the same today as he was in the third chapter of Genesis. He's subtle, he's cunning. He's cute. He'll do anything he can to try to destroy you. And he'll go just as long as he has to go. He's in no hurry. But the little things. You know, we in Pentecost, at least all the years I've been in it, we have declared that men ought to act and look like men and women ought to act and look like women. I, I grew up on that. Hey Amen. I cut my false teeth on that. Hallelujah. I heard it all my life. That if you're a man, act like a man. Look like a man. Be a man. If you're a woman, be a woman. Look like a. I tell you what, I'm glad God made women. Amen, and I'm glad I found the one that God wanted me to have. But I'm glad God made women. You men sitting with your wives, look at them and say, I'm glad God made you. I'm glad he made a she instead of a shim. But you see, God wants us to be what he intended for us to be. A woman and a man, they're different. I mean, you don't have to be very smart to know they're different. All you gotta be able to see, you can tell we're different. All you gotta be able to do is to smell, and you can tell we're different. All you gotta be able to do is touch and you'll tell we're different. All you gotta be able to do is listen and you can tell we're different. You know many women that got a real deep voice like that and Tom? You hear some woman talk down deep like I'm talking now, and you say, what in the name of heaven took place with her anyway? And then do you know how many men talk way up here? Oh, you're so nice. Well, there's something wrong with him, too. But you see, the devil is, is sly. The devil is subtle. And he didn't bring about what's happening in America overnight. What's happened in America today is not, the, not something that he decided back last year was gonna happen. He's been a working on it. He's been a working on it for a long time to get the men and the women to be in the condition they're in today. And some of us Holy Ghost-filled people haven't got sense enough to realize that the devil is trying to destroy us by some little things. He wants to get into our lives. And we just say, well, I guess it's gonna be all right. You know, he, didn't, he knew that he couldn't get a Holy Ghost-filled person, a woman especially. You know, I don't pick on, you can ask my wife, I don't pick on the women very often. I, I'm trying to get everything I can get together to, uh, to flatten out a whole bunch of us men. I think we need to be taken down a couple of notches once in a while. Amen, all the men said Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the devil, he knew he couldn't get Holy Ghost filled women women, to paint themselves up like he had the rest of the world. So he started very suddenly. And I'm just going to use this one thing and I'm going to pass on. But he started very suddenly and he came along and he brought out some of this uh, uh, this, this uh, uh, stuff that you really can't see at all. You know, the, the clear nail polish and the lip gloss that is so, so you really can't see it all that much uh, and a little bit of other stuff that you rub in your faces uh, uh, to take away some of the things that you don't want to be there. And then the next thing you know, they've come down to the place uh, where they had just a little bit of color to it, and they add a little bit of something else to it, and then the next thing you know, they've got themselves painted up with it. Why? Because some little thing came in, just a little fox that came along, and a fox is cunning, and a fox is sly, and the devil's sly, and the devil's cunning and then he gets some of the men and he thought, I can't get those Holy Ghost filled men to do some of the things that the rest of the world is doing and so I'm gonna work on their mind and I'm gonna get their mind dirty and I'm gonna get their mind filthy and I'm gonna get their thinking stinking. Hallelujah. Little things that comes along, that destroys an individual, and hear this preacher tonight, you need to beware of the little things uh, that you excuse uh, and say that there's nothing wrong with them. For the next thing you know it, you're doing something else. Oh, I wish to God somehow that we could get into the souls of individuals, uh, that, that, that thing that they got into my heart uh, years ago of an old-fashioned personal conviction of right and wrong. We'll do it when the preacher tells us to. We'll do it because the church says we got to. Why not doing it? Because we love God with everything in us. And we got a conviction of our own. Hallelujah. I need a conviction in my heart of right and wrong. I need a conviction in my heart uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is not gonna dwell in a temple that's unclean. Uh, I need a conviction in my heart uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is gonna walk with me as long as I walk with him. Uh, But when I get out there and get involved uh, in the sinful things of the world, uh, God give me a conviction against the things of the world. And so, the little things come along. You know, you walk on rocks all the time. But have you ever got one in your shoe? I had one in my shoe the other day. I took my shoe off and I shook it. And I put my foot back in it and took about two steps and that miserable thing was still there. I thought, well, how can that be? I mean, it, it felt like a boulder, but I know it's just a little teeny thing. I took my shoe back off and run my hand down in my shoe. And that rock had embedded itself right into the inner sole of my shoe. And it wouldn't come out by shaking. I had to dig it out. There's sometimes those little things that get into your heart, they're not gonna come out by shaking. They're not going to come out if you just go ahead and start shaking. It's going to come out uh, when you get down to business with God and start to dig and start to dig and start to dig and dig, uh, and start to pry around there and let God have His way in your heart. Then He'll get that little thing out and it won't grow. Now, I don't need to tell you anything about raising crops. I got an idea by looking around this area of the country that they raise wheat. I mean, I've seen some of these huge things, uh, and I assume they're wheat bins of some kind, uh, and and so I don't need to tell you that that wheat is put in the ground as a small little seed, uh, but with everything being right, uh, it's going to grow up, uh, and the top of that thing uh, is going to yield a fruit. uh, It's going to yield something uh, that they're going to take off the top uh, and put it in a bin, uh, and uh, get to a bake And to get food in your table, it all started by a little thing. And so, as little things get into your heart, that's not right, they begin to grow. Now, this pastor has not one time told me what to preach. I appreciate, Brother Elder, your freedom that you've allowed me in your pulpit. I appreciate it, for I know what it's like to have a stranger come by and preach for you, not knowing what they're going to be like at all. But I want to tell you something. There's some things that a person will allow to stay in their heart and it'll begin to grow. And some of the times it starts because the pastor had to correct you. Amen. 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 I've been around a few years. I've pastored a few years. I've dealt with preachers for over 10 years. I know what I'm talking about. When somebody needs to have somebody sit them down and tell them, listen, fella, black is still black, and white is still white, and you're trying to live in the gray, and son, you better smarten up. And that's the time when some little thing gets down inside and they say, nobody's gonna tell me what to do. No one's gonna tell me how to do it. No one's gonna tell me how to live. Be careful, there's something gonna start growing down in your heart and before you know it, if you haven't got it out, it will destroy you. little things God has used them and he's going to continue to use them now God spoke to Gideon and uh, in the book of Judges you can take and read 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th chapters of Judges long in there where this was all taken out of. Now, when God spoke to Gideon, the Midianites had been ruling Israel, dominating Israel for seven years. And uh, then the Midianites got some otherites, and they came and they said, We're going to destroy that bunch of Israelites nobody is going to destroy the israelites and so the midianites said we're going to we're going to cook their goose we're going to get that gideon guy and we're going to let him know a couple of things and so they started in They encircled the Israelites. And they said, we're not gonna let them get any food. Hey, you know, the devil might circle you around about and say, I'm not gonna let you get any food, but he don't know it, but your food comes from above. And you can put a circle around the church if you want to. Devil, you can go out here and do what you want to around the church, but the church's food comes from above you can't give us an umbrella that's going to destroy it. God won't let you. And so the Midianites said, we're going to get a hold of Gideon, we're going to fix his wagon, we're going to cook him, we're going to have a time. And then God said to Gideon, he said that uh, uh, in, in the 12th chapter of Judges 6, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And then in verse 13, Gideon said, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, now, how many tonight feels the Lord's with you? What about the rest of you? you not sure? How many feels the Lord's with you? Come on, let's lift your hands up there. You really feel the Lord's with you? All right. When the Lord's with you There's still going to be some bad things happen to you Just because the Lord's with you Don't mean that you're not going to have some bad things happen Because we are human And God has started a process of going And the humanity The human body has a beginning And it's going to have an ending The devil is brought about sickness. And because you're a human being, you're going to get sick once in a while. Because you're a human being, you're going to have some troubles down again. You're even going to fuss with your husband once in a while. You're even gonna fuss with your wife once in a while. You're even gonna fuss with your kids and your kids with the parents down and again. And as good a person as you are, you're gonna even have once or twice you're gonna fuss with each other. Amen. All because you're human. Just because you've got the Holy Ghost don't mean that you've been brought out of this life and you're hanging up here somewhere on cloud nine. You're still in the flesh and the flesh sometimes has an awful time against the spiritual. And so Gideon said, I know you're with me, Lord. Oh, I know you're here, God. I know you're with me, God. But... But, well, Lord, Lord, don't you know that if you're with us, then why has all of this befallen us? why God is it that all of these Midianites and all these otherites are all around us why God is where all the food is going and we don't have anything left I know you're with us God but why this I'll tell you why so that the mighty power of God can be manifested to the world so God said I want you to take and form an army. So I don't know how many the Midianites had, but they had quite a crowd, a few hundred thousand probably. And so Gideon went all throughout what little land of Israel he had, and he got all the able-bodied men together, and he ended up with a grand total of 32,000. 32,000 men to go against the Midianites and they didn't have very much. I want to show you what God did. You talk about God using small things. Then God spoke to Gideon. He said, Gideon, you got too many men. Now wait just a minute, God. Hold everything. Don't you know how many the Midianites got? Yeah, I know how many they got. You're telling me with the 32,000 men that that's too many? That's just what I told you, Gideon. Well... You're God, and I I guess maybe i got to listen to you. What do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to send all of those that's fearful and afraid and send them home. And he got up there and he said, all right, you bunch of men, every one of you that's fearful and afraid, there's a road, hit it. And lo and behold, to his astonishment, when they got all done leaving and the dust began to settle and somebody counted them all up, 22,000 had left. You talk about cleaning house. You talk about cleaning the rug. You talk about chucking corn, friend. I mean, they cleaned her out well he said now what's going on here my landlord we 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 didn't have many before now we only got ten thousand yeah but i'm not done with you yet gideon because i want to show not only to those many i want to show to every generation following after this what i will do with those that really 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 want to live for me and so he said now i want you to Go to the water. You know, it's not hard to get people in to church. You can fill your building up by next week this time if you want to. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. Ah, you, you can do it. No problem. All you got to do is get Bill Gaither to come. You'll fill your house. You can bring him in and you can say, Or oh, Lanny Wolf, I don't care who you want to bring Bring them in, advertise a little bit, and you pack them out. Three meetings on Sunday. But you take them to the water. You bring them to the water. And you're going to have the same results that Gideon had. When you take them to the water. Amen. Nine. He had 10,000 left. And so God said, take them down to the water. And those that laughed like a dog... He said, You keep them. Those, uh, those that lap like a dog, you send them home. Those that took, pick the water up and, 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 and take it in their hand, you keep them. And when that was all done, 9,700 more had gone home. And so Gideon now ended up with a grand total of 300 men. And then God gave Gideon some of the greatest weaponry ever known to man. I mean, he gave him the Sam Missile. He led him to know, Gideon, hey, don't worry about it, son. I got got an Air Force out there with with F-14 fighter planes. I got them out there with with all these Huey helicopters. I got them out there with, with all of these missiles on the other side of the hill. Hey, don't worry about it, son. I got you some armaments. I mean, they got those Gatlin guns, and they got those bazookas, and and you talk about tanks, my friend. They had them. God said, hey, don't worry about them. I want to tell you what their weapons were. God said to Gideon, send them home. And then Gideon said, but God, those bunch of Midians are as plentiful as grasshoppers. And God said, I know it. Don't worry about it he said I got it all fixed up he said you uh, you give your men some of this armament that I have it all made Boeing aircraft made it a lot of it for you he said you uh, you give them a trumpet you give them an empty pitcher." And you put a lamp in the empty picture now wait just a minute god what in this world are you trying to do i'm trying to let you know gideon that when this battle comes to a victory for israel you're not going to be able to stand up and say see what i have done you're not going to be able to stand, stand stand up and say, look what the army of Israel did. Amen. Because Gideon, I want to show to you and I want to show to the world that little is much when God is in it. I want to show you, Gideon, that if you do what I tell you to do, if you get out there on the hillside and you put a hundred over there and you put a hundred over there and you put a hundred over there and you take, tell them to take their trumpet and take their picture with a lamp in it and to keep the light hidden. And then you tell them that when the signal is given to blow the trumpet and when they blow the trumpet to break, to break their pitcher, and to say in the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And I want to show you what's going to happen. And when Gideon did that, friend, the Midianites began to tremble they begin to shake in their boots they begin to run like a bunch of scared rabbits why because the voice of the Lord is powerful enough to destroy all the enemy just the voice of the Lord great victory came by a small thing the small thing that Gideon had was something that every one of us has got here tonight Every one of us has got the same thing Gideon had. And that is that we all have got faith in Almighty God. And that's the only thing that Gideon had going for him. He had faith that God was going to see him through. You've got faith tonight that God's going to get you through. Then why worry about the enemy? There's another great victory came to Israel. In the 17th chapter for Samuel most of all of you probably know about it but this is where David and Goliath had their confrontation now I know it's the will of God for David to be out there but let's back away from that a moment Saul and all the army of Israel was camped on this side of the valley Here they were, hanging their tent on that side of the valley. On this side of the valley was the Philistines and Goliath from Gath. And here he was. They're on that side. The giants were bigger than the soldiers of Israel. You don't see very many big Jews. I don't know if there ever have been any more big any big Jews at any time or not, but the Bible says that Saul was head and shoulders tall and the rest of them. And as far as I can figure out, Saul wasn't hardly any more than six feet tall in his physical stature. And so here they were, this great big bunch of giants. Come here. Brother, you're a little tall. Would you come help me a minute, please? Praise the Lord. You brother stand right over here. Stand right there, hey man. Get him more tall. T- this guy back here. You're tall. I think I see you tall. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's you. Will you come help me? You're tall. Yeah, he's tall. Man, we need a couple more like him. Look at him. Long. Drink of water, will you? <laughs> all right. Now I need some short fellas. Hey man, you're. Will you stand up a minute, please? Oh, you're too tall today. You're short. Yeah, hey, oh, yeah, man. That's what I want. <laughs> Hallelujah. You stand over here. Hallelujah. Who? Alright, whoever you are. Come on. That's him back there. He's short. Oh yeah, man. We're gaining now. You stand over. One more. Who? Okay. Yeah, man, you're short. These are Israelites. Praise the Lord there, Brother Solomon. How are you there, Brother Kaczynski? Amen. How are you there, Brother Solis? Amen. These are the Jews. And these are the Philistines. Amen. Now, you're going to be Goliath. Step right out here. All right, now, that's just far enough right there. Now, I want you to call out to that bunch of Israelites over there, and I want you to tell them, Send me a man. Can you haul that loud? You bet. Okay.
3: Send me a man. Oh, come
2: on, man. Wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Come Hallelujah. Yeah. Right. Send me a man that will fight against me. That will fight against me. And you guys start to shake a little bit. Come on, shake. Look at them the next day it comes out say it again send me a man that will fight against me come on shake you guys man they're trembling shaking in their boots shaking afraid because this great big giant comes out he said i'll tell you what i'll do i'll make it easy for you you give me somebody to fight against and if he beats me we'll be your servants if you beat us we'll be your servants and israel begin to shake you know where saul was how many knows where saul was saul was hiding hiding up here in his tent he said oh is he hiding i believe he's hiding Oh, I think he was mapping out the strategy war. No, he wasn't. He was hiding. Scared to death. That great big old giant standing up there, nine feet tall. Here are these little Israelites, hardly five foot nine, five foot ten. And that great big giant, man, he's big. He's big. Say it how you want to. I'm six foot one and a nine foot man's big to me. I'm not going to mess with him. And that's how they felt. Amen. We got a boy here tonight about 17 years old. That fellow with glasses on, come over here. Come on here. I'm not going to hurt you. Too bad. So, here Goliath kept coming out, and the Israelites standing over there shaking. One day, Jesse said to David, called him out of the field, and he said, David, come here, son. He said, now, David, you've uh, been out there singing those sheep long enough, and uh, you've got some brothers down there in the valley of Elah, and they're fighting the Philistines. I want you to go down there at the Valley Elah, and I want you to find out how the battle's going. I want you to take a basket of fruit and vegetables and pomegranates and figs and all that stuff, and I want you to take some food to them because they might not have very much to eat, and they're fighting. I want you to go down there and find out what's going on. Okay, Dad, I'll go, and so old David, he just goes down the road. Can you whistle? No, he can't whistle now. Down the road he went, walking on down the road, looking at the beautiful scenery, and just a kick kicking the rocks and having a great time. Going down to the Valley of Elah. Amen. So he got down to the Valley of Elah and see all these bunch of Israelites standing there and they're shaking. Come on, shake you guys. And he turned around and saw them over there and he saw a giant standing out. And he couldn't figure out what was going on, so he came up to his brother. This is his brother. He said, "Brother," he said, "Dad sent me down here to give you something to eat and find out what's going. Why don't you go home, you dreamer? Why don't you go on back home and tend the sheep where you belong?" You don't have no business down. I know Dad told me to come down. Don't you get fussing at me now. Dad told me to come. I'm just doing what Dad told me to do. I brought you some nice fresh fruit. I brought you some homemade bread. I brought you some things from home. And I don't want you to fuss at me. Dad told me to come find out how things were going. Tell me what's going on. And so I said, well, he said, "Uh, David, he said, you across the valley there," he said. "And just about that time, old Goliath stepped out again. Send me a man!" And they started shaking again because Goliath came. And so they came out, and he sized up the situation. He said, "Where's Saul? Saul's hiding the tent. Take me to him." Now I don't know exactly. Here's Saul. So, we got a man here that's going to fight Goliath. We have. Yeah, we got a man, all right. <laughs> oh, I'm having fun i don't know why david did what he did except that he felt god was with him i don't think he did it because one of the rewards was michael Oh, i'm not gonna say what i was thinking but uh... (laughs) But uh, David said, yeah, I'll do it, Saul. Saul said, you will, yeah. Uh, I'll fight you, all right? Take my arm. (laughs) That almost fits. Saul said, put my armor on, David and so he put his armor on him i haven't got a hat but he put a hat on his head it's a helmet and it went yeah it weighed him down Saul's a big man and then he brought his shield bearer in brought a great big shield in and then he spotted brought a sword that's about yay high amen brought a sword in he said there's the sword he said take it David felt as much out of water with that stuff as a fish does. He said, I can't take this, Saul. He said, I don't want that. He said, give give me that. give me that. I never tried that. He said, Saul, he said, I don't know about all this armor business. He said, I don't know how you all go about fighting. He said, I want to tell you something. God told me to do it. And so David went out and he said, I'm going to do it. So he went out then. He reached down the brook, picked up five stones. You know how to sling? So he had a sling with him. He got just that old swing. I want to tell you something. Stand right there and keep swinging that swing. David didn't start practicing with that sling when he got down there to the valley of Elah. David didn't start practicing with that sling on the road to the valley. Out there on the hillside, David had a lot of time on his hands. And he'd take that old sling. And he'd spot a tree about 100 yards down the field. And he'd find a, where a limb had been broke off. And he'd stand back there about 100 yards or about, a, let's say, 100 feet. And he'd stand back there 100 feet. And he'd rank, crank that old sling up. And he'd let it go. And he practiced until he could put 10 out of 10 right where that limb used to be. And another thing that David had going for him, that while he was down there on the hillside watching the sheep, he killed himself a bear. Amen. He not only killed himself a bear, he killed himself a lion. He had himself a time down there. Why did he do it? Because the lion and the bear was coming at the daddy's sheep and they really are daddy's sheep but daddy put me in in care of them and I count them as my sheep and down there on the hillside he watched and one day that big old bear come out he's going to have a sheep for dinner you're not going to have a sheep he tore him apart and after a few months went by one day a lion came a roaring out of the woods and he heading for the sheep and David outrun him and grabbed him by the jaw and grabbed him by the top of the mouth and just pulled him apart hey friend if you're going to meet Goliath on the hillside of the valley of Hila you better have a lion you better have a bear you better have practice a little bit with your slingshot because you're going to need it Because all the standing between you and the enemy of your soul is a slingshot and you only
3: got one
2: chance at it and so he went out there and he put a a rock in the sling and he just began to crank that thing up and about time he had it going a good clip and he realized it was going just the right speed amen he took that let go of one of those leather tongs and the rock went don't tell me that God got a hold of the rock and guided to the only uh, unprotected spot of Goliath I believe that David practiced enough so that he knew the only unguarded spot uh, and he put that rock right where it could do the most damage and then he didn't even have a sword to finish it all it did was knock him out and he was laying on the ground and he went up and took his sword and cut his head off thank you brethren thank you brethren thank you jesus christ tonight has given you and i something that we can defeat the devil with it will only prove god in the test and the trials uh, we'll win the victory hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. you see god he uh, he he got david thinking about the little thing David never dreamed he'd even meet Goliath. He didn't even know Goliath. There's some enemies of your soul that you may not even know tonight. And while everything's going good, you're down there sitting on the hillside watching the sheep. You better get to practicing with your slingshot. You better get to your prayer knees. You better get to have the faith that God's got in your heart and let it be exercised. You better have the faith, the belief, and the confidence in God. You better get in the old book and find out what the book says. For one day you're gonna meet Goliath on the hillside, and it's gonna to be too late to go have a prayer meeting. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus requires us today to pay attention to the little things in our lives both good and bad some people say oh you fellas put too much emphasis on little things oh Jesus put some emphasis on little things he fed 15,000 plus with five loaves and two fishes you tell me that's not a little thing Jesus took that one day and stood and watched them come by putting their ties in. Preacher do that today and you say oh, man he's just finding out how much money he's gonna get and making us all feel guilty so we get more money. Stand there watching put the ties in. Jesus just standing there watched them take the offering up. looking the offering plates over as they come by. I never had never have yet got comfortable when people take an offering for me. Amen. I I preach for nothing, just for the fun of preaching. I have a lot of times, will a lot of times in the future. But I want to tell you something. Jesus stood there watching that that offering being taken. And a little old widow woman come down. Amen. Didn't have much. That old dude just before put a $100 bill in the offering. Another one before him put a $50 bill in. Somebody came by and put a check in. When they opened the check up, it was for 500 bucks. Little old widow woman come, walking down, feeling a little bad for herself because she didn't have any, as much to put in as somebody else. Come walking down by, see Jesus standing there. This is my interpretation. Walked by and with a head down just dropped in her two mites and then walked on. Just a little bit down because she saw those 50s and she saw those 100s and she saw those 20s and she saw those 10s and all she had is the two mites and about time she took five steps away from Jesus said, hold on there, young lady. You know, some of us preachers ought to practice being politicians call somebody old young you know Jesus gave us a a good example he said wait a minute ma'am and uh, she stopped oh God help us tonight to do things for him when nobody's watching and so Jesus said uh, woman you you put more in that offering than everybody else did. Oh, I, I did? Well, Lord, I, 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 I see his hundred dollar bills in there. Oh, I, I know. But he said they gave out of their abundance. He said you gave all you had. You see, Jesus is not looking for some superstars. He's just looking for a whole lot of us little folks. Just a whole lot of little people. Amen. Jesus is looking for us. Some people say, well, you fellas get all hung up on little things. You, you, you get hung up on this, uh, on this plan of salvation business. You get all hung up when, when, when you could fit in so nice if you'd just agree with the whole rest of us that all you've got to do is just have some easy believism. You know, why, why create a problem? And some, some people just stupid enough to believe that. You know, why, why, why have a problem? You just, you know, just, let's just all go on together. You know, you really don't need to have a whole. No, but Jesus said in the word of God that you're not going to be born again unless you're born of the water and the spirit. Jesus let us know that we'd spend eternity away from him if we didn't repent. Don't try to make it so that a person don't know whether they're saved or lost. God is still concerned about the little things that the world may classify as little things of salvation when they are the most important things. And then they say, well, You you know, God's not all that concerned about righteousness and godliness. And holiness and world and this you fellows are just 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 straining you you're just you, you're just uh, uh, you, you, you're putting it through too fine a sieve you, you're just making it so a person gonna be too hard, to saved, uh, uh, too hard to get saved 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 getting saved is the easiest thing in the world Any Dummy can fall off a log, and salvation's just as easy to get as that. Now, please forgive me. I don't want to be a uh, sound crude to you tonight, but but I just want to somehow get a message across. And yet, people say, "Well, you you fellows put too much emphasis on these things. Jesus put some emphasis on them." When he said, you're not even going to see the kingdom of God if without holiness. I mean, you know, little things. and you know, little things. And so the Lord wants us to pay attention to little things today. You know, Jesus led us to know that we've got to leave the world alone. You're going to be happy I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> You don't, you don't, okay, you won't be happy. (laughs) Jesus said, if we love the world, the love of the Father's not in us. Now, some people think that love in the world is tied up in just the worldly amusements, But there's a lot more to loving the world than just worldly amusements. Loving the fashions of the world. Loving the spirit of the world. Loving the reading materials of the world. Loving all of the things that's in the world. I know tonight, I'm not stupid enough to believe that we got to just put ourselves in a little corner somewhere and isolate ourselves and say, oh God, you know, we're going to be like some other folks that have their own little communities and, and we're not going to drive cars and we're not going to fly in airplanes. And I like to drive a car and I like to fly in airplanes. I like to ride in boats. I'm aiming to get on a train someday and ride across America. Hey, man, I like that kind of thing. But what the Lord is saying is when we love the Lord, love the world rather, to the point where we can't come to the house of God and reach out and praise and worship Him, when the world has got such a grip on us that we can't do anything for God, when the world's got such a grip on us and the pastor calls for a prayer meeting or the pastor calls for an extra night of meetings or the pastor calls for a fasting for a day, the world's got such a grip on us uh, that we can't do it Uh, hey friend uh, I'm just crazy enough to believe uh, that the Lord is saying uh, let loose of those things uh, so that whenever I want you to do something for me you don't have to worry about a lot of things and you just go ahead and start doing it Hallelujah. hallelujah little things yeah but they're important all of you tonight how many still got your penny? I haven't forgotten. How many still got your penny? Oh, look at this. All right. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want a couple of little fellas this time. Amen. Who am I? Come on, honey. You come over here and help me, will you? Now I want a little boy. Where's the little boy? Hey, where's Solomon? Solomon. Hey, come over here, chum. What's your name? Charlotte and Solomon. Now, I'd like, if you will, I'd like all of you women to give your penny to Charlotte, will you? Go collect all the pennies from the women. Solomon, go and collect all the penny from the men. Will you men give this you nice-looking young... Isn't he nice-looking? Would you give this nice-looking young fellow all your pennies? Go and get all the pennies from these fellas, from these men. Collect them. Just pick them all up. Amen. And while they're doing that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to a close here in just a few moments. Little things. The Pharisees tried to trick Jesus into making a declaration about the sovereignty of the Roman government. And Jesus turned the tale, tables on them. And he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to the thing, God, the things that are God's. A penny don't amount to very much. You might throw them away all the time. You'll find pennies on the street when you won't find quarters and nickels and dimes and 50-cent pieces. You'll find pennies everywhere and you won't find dollar bills because nobody's going to pass by a dollar bill. When I was pastoring in Jonesport, Maine, I I walked across our parking lot one day and there was a penny in the parking lot. And I just walked by it and I purposely watched every day I went to that church to see how long that penny would stay in the parking lot. And do you know that penny laid in that parking lot for about 40 to 45 days? I looked every single day and that penny was still on the parking lot. Nobody wanted to stoop down and pick up that penny because it's not worth very much. Amen, here's another one for you. Now can you sit down and count them for me? Amen. Just sit down and count them right there, Solomon. One penny don't amount to very much. You throw them away all the time. Very little value to you. I wish the American government would call all pennies off the market. But they're not gonna do it. Just to please me. I wish tonight that I could call all the little things that's trying to destroy your life. I wish I could walk around and collect them like we collected these pennies tonight. I wish there was some way that I could just walk by and say, Sister, you got one little thing that you need to have help with. You've got a little thing that's starting to eat away at you. You've got a little thing that's starting to move inside. I wished I had the ability tonight just to walk by and say, hand it over. Give it to me. Put it in my hand. How many? This little girl here tonight, Charlotte, has walked around here and one at a time picked up 39 pennies do you mind if she keeps them she can go and buy herself something with them I don't know what but she can buy it one at a time she picked them up all by themselves she can't buy a piece of bubblegum but 39 of them she might be able to buy a can of coke because somebody kept putting them in her hand and that's just the way it is in your life little things if you don't get rid of them they're gonna pile up on you thank you how I many did you get he got thirty-five. Thirty-five pennies thirty-five good things don't discount the good things that comes along when they come along one at a time. One penny at a time, Solomon might walk by it on the street. But thirty-five? Oh no. He's gonna find somebody to give him a quarter and a dime or three dimes and a nickel. He's gonna head for the Coke machine. Why? Because somebody gave him one penny at a time thank you how many blessings has God given you in the last few years have you ever tried to count them next time you get down in the mully grubs start thinking about the blessings that you got start thinking about the good things that God had done for you when I was in Bible college we had about a teacher. Her husband was in the First World War. She left home with three children, I think it was. Husband was overseas. Had not any money for a long time. Was trying to live for God. Trying to walk with God. Trying to preach a little bit. In a day when Pentecost was just starting out in the northeast of America and Canada one day she had got tired of taking care of the home and taking care of the children trying to pay some bills with no money tried to feed the children with no money she decided that her friends was making it better than she was and they wasn't serving God and so she said I guess maybe I'll go the direction they're going but she said something went through her mind and she said before I do it I at least owe it to God to say goodbye to him and thank him for what he had done for me I'm convinced if more people when they get ready to turn around and walk away from God if they'd come and bow before the Lord and just begin to thank him for what he had done for them and appraise him for his goodness to them in the years that they lived for him, their life would be the same as Sister Stairs' life has been. For she said, when I got down on my knees and I began to thank God for the things he gave to me, all of a sudden I began to realize how plentiful the blessings were and how wonderful the Lord was. Have you got some little things that's starting to eat away at your life that's just a little fox right now that's going to tear you down? Or have you forgotten all the blessings that God has given to you? Will you stand with me tonight? Little things. Little as much when God is in it little is much when God is in it but little can be devastating if you don't let God take it away from you little can destroy you if you don't ask Jesus Christ to come and take it out of your heart you tonight that don't have the Holy Ghost I don't know anything about you. I don't know where you live. I don't know what kind of life you lived or anything of that nature. But is there any possibility that there might be some little thing inside that you haven't got rid of yet? Is there any possibility that there's a little spirit inside? I'm not saying there is, I'm just asking you the question. If you haven't had a blessing from God for a while, is there any possibility that you've allowed some little things to start to build up? And now that one and two little things have now reached the proportion of 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 and it's broken fellowship with God and you need to come back and fall on your knees before him again and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want you to take him out of my heart. I wonder tonight as our heads are bowed, the saints of God are praying. Men and women are thinking about their lives. Is there any little things in your heart and life tonight That's keeping you from having what God wants you to have? Are you fussing about some little thing that God has talked to your heart about? I know a person tonight, been a personal friend of mine for many years. In fact, they got the Holy Ghost the same year I did. But he would not let go of one thing in the world. I'm talking about the time we used to preach that going to the bowling alley was wrong. And going to the dance hall was not right. I'm talking about the time that I've heard my father, pastor, preacher, preach to me and tell me, son, you can't go there. And old Ed wanted to keep on going bowling because he's on the bowling league. But Ed backslid tonight. His home is broken up. His life has been one royal mess. And I believe that it was all because he kept one thing in his heart that God said, I'm not pleased with. And I want to get you to get rid of it. Have you got something in your heart tonight that you're hanging on to of this world? You don't want to let go of it? I believe that if you'd ask Jesus to forgive you for it, forsake it, turn away from it, throw it away, destroy it, whatever you got to do to get it out, I believe that God will begin to bless you like you can't imagine. All he's waiting on tonight is that while I'm talking for you to get out of your seat and walk to the altar and lift your hands to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to forgive me. And I want you to take that one thing out of my heart that's hindering me from being what you want me to be. Are you here tonight in that condition? Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Young people tonight, where's your relationship with God? How are you standing with God? Are you hanging on to some things of this world that's sapping your spirituality? Why don't you come and say, Jesus, Jesus, I want to get rid of that one thing
3: that's keeping me
2: from having what you want me to have.